Welcome to Epiphany with Tiffany, a podcast that explores the deeper meaning behind the clothes you wear and items you own and how to work with the energy of the cosmos to make powerful shifts in your life, home, and wardrobe. I'm your host, Tiffany. I'm a holistic life and style coach and personal stylist with a deep love for fashion and a firm believer of the life-changing power of energetics. Tune in each week for an illuminating discussion designed to shift your frequency and connect your environment to your soul. This is a Soul Fire production. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. Really, really excited to bring you today's episode. I know I've been promising you a human design deep dive episode. I use human design with my clients as part of my astro styling readings. We look at your astrology and your human design to help you understand what kind of clothing items you might want to add to your wardrobe, what lights you up, what you're naturally drawn towards. And the human design piece is super fascinating because it can help you make decisions around shopping. It can help you understand what type of conditions to put yourself in to make the most informed shopping decisions because I'm all about shopping intentionally, not just buying a bunch of things to buy them, to really have a understanding of what your soul is really asking you to bring into your wardrobe so that you can really embody your true essence. And so the human design aspect is a really important component in these astro style readings. And I've been dying to have on a human design expert to just kind of help break down human design. I know human design and I definitely know the inner workings of it, but I'm by no means an expert. I've tended to gravitate my skills and learnings and deepen my knowledge in the astrology aspect of things. And so I can really talk about astrology all day long. When it comes to human design, there's things that I know, and then there's so much that I don't know about it. So I've really been wanting to have someone on that knows all of the inner workings and just how it can be utilized to shift things in your life to help you understand how you work, your inner workings. And the more that you can embody your human design, the more your life will flow. And I think that's really the meat of this conversation that I had with my dear friend and colleague, Caitlin Kirkpatrick. Caitlin is a human design guide, holistic health coach, and 7D energy healer who supports clients in complete mind, body, and spirit deconditioning so they can embrace their uniqueness and live confidently in their fully expressed selves. I love the work that Caitlin does. She really brings her whole background. She has a little bit of a varied background. She started with a master's in nutrition. We get into that on the podcast today. She also brings in some of her spirituality work, not only to her one-on-one work with clients and in her group containers, but also on her podcast, which you have to check out. I'm going to put a link in my show notes. It's what I love about Caitlin's podcast and just Caitlin's overall energy, her vibe, is that she really takes kind of this seriousness and the sometimes when we think about spirituality and some of the more esoteric topics, it can feel a little bit stuffy, a little bit inaccessible. She really breaks it down in like fun, cool ways and makes it way less serious because it doesn't need to be so serious. And then in today's podcast interview, we really get into 
human design, how she lives her design. We look at my chart. I learned some new insights that I never knew before about my own human design chart because there are so many different layers how she really uses and harnesses human design to dance in the world and to live authentically. She right now is a nomad living around different places. She hasn't lived um, in the same place for over a year now. And so we talk a little bit about that and what that's like and just like the opportunities that seem to drop into her lap out of nowhere because she is following these pings from the universe by living her human design. We also talk about when you have a lot of health conditions and things like that, when you layer in the energetic piece on top of doing health protocols or when the health protocols stop working, which was definitely my experience, how you can add in this energy work and this human design knowledge and start flowing in life differently. And a lot of the symptoms that you are struggling with health-wise seem to magically disappear. And I can really attest to that. I've had so many chronic health conditions. And the more I started dabbling in the spirituality space, it really was that missing component, that game changer piece for me. So we get to hear about how that also changed Caitlin's life and how she sees that play out with clients. Caitlin really is just such a fun, magical soul. I really adore her, and I hope you will book a reading with her. She has a lot of cool offerings. She offers one-on-one readings. She offers Voxer support after the reading so that as you're integrating these new ways of operating in the world, you can ping your BFF Caitlin and get her tips on how to keep and continue to integrate this new way of living. And then she's also about to launch this really exciting group program. So all kinds of cool things coming up in this episode. I hope you will listen through to the end. If you hear anything that you want to learn more about, be sure to drop me a line. Let me know. I think you all know where to find me at Epiphany with Tiffany on Instagram. Here is my conversation with Caitlin Kirkpatrick. Caitlin, welcome to the podcast. So excited to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm stoked to be here. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I, uh, yeah, just gliding. I feel like it's, it's a lot, but we're, I don't know, we're getting through things. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're getting through things every day. (laughs) Every day is a new chance to get through things. Uh, I feel like I've been riding a nonstop roller coaster for the past, like, I say a few weeks. Yeah. It's like close to a month. Just like every day is a different day. Like I'm having an existential crisis, you know, every other day, then I'm happy one day. Then the next day I'm like, what the fuck's happening to me? So, you know, like I said, we're just, we're getting through it. Uh. Tell me more about that. Do you feel like, I know we're going to get into what you do, but you're a human design expert, which I've been dying to have a human design expert on the show. And when there's the waves that you're mentioning and just, you know, life can get really complicated, really some seasons seem more intense than others. And I've talked to a lot of people, clients, people in the community who are just feeling like this summer, this year in general has been such an intense year, lots of intense energy and just having to move through really complicated things. Do you utilize your human design? Does that come to mind when you're going through the thick of it. Cause that can be, it can be so easy to just get in our old patterns. What, what do you do during those times? 
Yeah. I mean, it's funny. It should be top of mind for me, but it's not because, you know, we're human and when we're in our own shit, it's just like everything that we know to do sometimes goes out the window. Um, I will say I do catch myself probably like two thirds of the way through whatever, you know, the current existential crisis is and go, oh yeah, I should check the transits. They're like, oh yeah, I should look at my design and see what's going on. So I do use it. Um, not as often as I would like, but it's definitely helpful when I do remember to look at it. Like for instance, um, last week I was feeling so frustrated, so like emotionally, almost like unstable, um, which is not normal for me. I'm a non-emotional and we can, you know, define all these terms at one point, but basically like my natural state is very neutral. Um, not to say I don't have emotions and go through my own ups and downs, but I don't just like wake up in my feels. And I was like waking up in my feels every day. It was like sometimes angry, sometimes wanting to cry. And like I said, um, just feeling so much frustration. And that's also not natural to me. That's not my not self. I'm a projector. So it's usually more so like bitterness, um, which is an interesting one in and of itself. But I was like, oh, wait, I'm actually around to define sacrals where I'm staying right now. And they're both pretty dysregulated. So I'm picking up their stuff. Um, I'm also an open, um, sacral. So the tran- transits that were going on, I had a sacral defined. And so hence the frustration, um, cause the sacral trumps my natural authority. Well, Trump's quote unquote. But um, anyway, there were just these things that, you know, had it been top of mind for me. And I think maybe over time, this is something that I'll continue to build. And and I'll just, you know, I want to actually like check the transits as part of my morning practice, just so I'm in the know since there's so much openness in my chart. But anyway, as soon as I made those two connections, I was like, oh, this is so simple. Now I know to do this. And now I know to do this to help support me in each of these aspects. And I was so much better the following couple of days. It was kind of magical. Wow. Well, that's kind of what I want to dig into today because I, as you know, utilize astrology a lot in my business. And it's just also just a deep passion of mine. And I'm like speaking to like checking the transits. I'm like, the first thing I do is like check the time passages app when I wake up and I'm like trying to get a read of like what's going on sometimes to the point where I'm like, stop trying to forecast like what, (laughs) what emotions are going to be coming up for you today. Like there can be like this, like a fine line between uh, you know, knowing things and, and living in the moment and letting life surprise you. But I don't utilize necessarily my human design. It's maybe more of my third instinct and I'm a sacral authority. So when I can hear my sacral come to life and I say here, but it's a feel, I always get really excited because I don't always feel it. It's not always my, uh, gut instinct isn't always fired up. And I kind of want to get into, some of the reasons why that might be. Um, but I think that the part about human design and astrology and that connection point where you can utilize both skill sets to help you navigate trials and tribulations in life can just be so helpful. So if what, cause it's like that inner knowing of yourself, it's your inner compass is how I really see these tools. And so the more, you know, and just like what's coming up, then you can use the tools to like help reroute you. If you're getting off a path, that's like taking you down your old dark ways or your old patterns. Yeah. It's so good because, and it's so interesting because I love astrology and I've always, I I think more and more, you know, the deeper I kind of get into like the woo and living and breathing this stuff, like the more fascinating and applicable I see it, but human design has always been more so for me. And I think part of that is because it is so body-based. Um, 
I also don't use it as, or really even see it as kind of a predictive tool, the way I think astrology is often used. It's like, these are what the transits mean for you. And it's like the way I approach it and the way I see it is this is the energy that I might be working with today because this is activated within my chart. Again, it's a very like present moment view instead of like, you know, I, I know that I'm going to, or, you know, no, how do we ever know with astrology even, but you know, because Mars is doing X sort of thing, there's this emotional turbulence or relationships or anything like that. No, it's like my physical body might be a little more like charged today because of this activation within my chart. Um, you know, when you couple it with the transits. And so it's like more moment to moment, which is how I, I view it in general as well at large. Like it is a moment to moment for me. It's a lifestyle. Like you're talking about checking in with your sacral when I started out with human design, it was like, Oh, my authority. It's this thing that I can tap into if I'm making a decision. And like when I'm making a decision versus now it's something that I live and breathe moment to moment. I'm never tapped out of my authority. I know what it's feeling like and and what the yeses and the nos and the contractions and the expansions feel like moment to moment. And so I'm really, I think of it as a conversation with life. So I'm constantly tapped into this conversation and I don't necessarily believe you can ever like tap out of your authority. You just don't know what to listen for or what to look for or literally feel for. Or you're like trying to force it. Like I'm always trying to force it. Like check in, what's my gut saying? What's my gut? And it's like, shut off. It's like, no, it's not going to just turn on when you want it to. You have to like be in connection with it continuously and then you notice it more. Yeah. And it's, it's exactly what you said. You're like, I'm thinking about it. And the whole point of human design is not to think about it. Like uh, one of my very first mentors, she always says the mind is never the authority. And like, that's truly it. We're so conditioned to intellectualize everything, everything, decisions, thoughts, feelings, no matter what we all live up here. And that was actually, I mean, human design has a reason for that, (laughs) how we've evolved as kind of sensory beings. But, um, the point of it is literally to put you back in your body. And this is why so many people struggle as well. And I think part of the reason, again, for me, it was so easy to snap into not only the tool, but like to really quickly quote unquote align to my design, which again is an ever unfolding process, but body-based, like tapping myself back in, that's my whole history and my whole wheelhouse and my whole own, you know, personal journey as well. So when I found human design and it was explained to me in this way, I'm like, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense because I'm already living this way. And I just didn't really know it. And now I have the language to put to it. You know, now I have a framework to put to all of these things that I've already been kind of feeling into and experiencing. And I'll tell you, like when you actually learn to live with your authority moment to moment, rather than like making it this like periodic thing that you check in with, things start to happen that literally don't make sense, which is why you can't live in the mind, right? Like the mind is a beautiful tool. I always say that, but it gets to be so much easier and it gets to flow so much more and it gets to be so much more exciting when you're actually living with the biofeedback. So, and there's just so much going on in the mind stories that aren't necessarily even true. Whereas in the body, it's actually more of a trusted compass because the body does not lie. What's going on in the body whether it's a physical symptom, an emotional feeling, any type of sensation that we're feeling in our body, that is a indication of something beyond what the mind can even think or the ego can try to rationalize. So I think that that's a beautiful entry point for what drew you to human design, but what did, what part of your path and your story brought you to human design? And for those that don't know what human design is. Can you also give us just like a snapshot of like, what is human design? What are we even talking about right now? Yeah. I'm laughing so much because I actually just saw a hilarious video on Instagram earlier today. That was this guy 
explaining human design. It's it's honestly a little bit challenging to distill down because it literally is, as he says in the video, everything. It's a combination of all of these different kind of esoteric systems, including astrology. There are like five types of astrology included in human design. Um, there's also the I Ching. There's also the Kabbalah, you know, the tree of life, um, even quantum physics. There's a, a component of that as well. And so it's all of these things kind of synthesized together. So it encompasses all of you, like all aspects of you, the, the mind, the body, the soul. I, I see gene keys, which is uh, related to human design as kind of like the soul component, whereas your actual human design chart really kind of tells you the body side or the subconscious side and the conscious side. And so there's all of these different pieces interwoven, the seven chakra system, which in human design, we talk about it as nine chakras and um, centers that can be open where you're kind of picking up and amplifying different people's energies in, in different kind of categories based on the center. Um, and it's basically in short, a tool or a framework. I really see it as a framework to help you understand you literally, you know, how your mind works on the subconscious and the conscious aspects. Also how your energy operates, not just flows through you, but also in relation to, you know, people around you, to environments, to work, um, which we've been very homogenized in that aspect. Like everybody go sit at a desk nine to five, do the thing. Like everybody's supposed to work for eight hours and that works for everybody, but it doesn't. Um, it can tell you, you know, how your brain kind of operates, your focus, um, how you learn to a degree. Um, and it's all, it's all meant to be an experiment is kind of the, the big takeaway too. And something that I really like to emphasize, it is not at all one size fits all. And I think that's one of the reasons that I was so drawn to it. I mean, there are many reasons, but when I was first studying nutrition and we can kind of like rewind into my story a little bit as well. But when I was first studying nutrition, my, you know, foray into the whole entrepreneurship space was, I thought I was going to be a nutritionist, a holistic nutritionist. And what made so much sense to me about that approach was bioindividuality, that everybody's body operates differently. And my body is going to operate differently right now than it is two months from now or six months from now or six years from now. And so we're constantly changing and constantly evolving. And human design really gives you the space to like, it's a living, breathing system. It's not like you're stuck in this one, like, you know, rigid box. It's literally the point is to break you out of all the boxes that you've been operating in that have been taking you away from what's authentically you. I love that. I mean, that's a good way to think about it too, because it's like, it's so much more than just one thing. It's some people are like, Oh, is it your personality? Is it the way you make decisions? It's like, yeah, yeah. All it's, of it's all, <laughs> is it the way you eat food? Yeah. It's, it's literally all the things it's the, I love the, um, interaction with other people, the way you're meant to work, so, how some people are so frustrated, why they're trying to beat themselves into submission. Why am I so un miserable at my job and so unhappy. And you look at their human design, you're like, um, because you're not supposed to be sitting at a desk for 10 hours a day. Um, but I mean, <laughs> is that you? Well, yeah. But what I think we have a very similar entry points into the work that we do now, where we got more into the metaphysical and esoteric land. I also studied, um, functional nutrition and functional medicine and, and then had this moment where I was like, but there's more there's more. What was that for you? Because it sounded like you were on a path to become a nutritionist. And then there was some sort of pivot. What was the, the new door that opened or that presented itself? Was there something that happened in your life at the same time that kind of led you to exploring beyond the nutrition aspect? 
Yeah. I mean, it was all part and parcel of that healing journey. Um, I went into functional medicine thinking like that was going to be my silver bullet. And when I enrolled in my, you know, master's program, I was like, this is how I'm going to heal people. I've always been really driven to like serve and, and help others and literally, you know, heal others, I guess, to a degree, although that's not, you know, <laughs> my job or responsibility or anything like that. But, um, when I was working to heal my physical body, I mean, I had leaky gut, I had SIBO, I had, uh, my adrenals were totally shot. So I was just kind of a mess, like hormones all over the place, a whole bunch of things. And so I got to a point in that journey where I wasn't getting better, just doing the physical stuff. So, you know, had changed diet. My exercise regime was like, I mean, it was basically doing nothing like <laughs> laying on the couch and walking at that point. Cause that's all my body could handle. Um, I was, doing all the stress management things. I was on the supplement protocols and this was like three protocols in or something. So, I mean, you know, it's like months and months and months and months later, you're like, is this ever going to end? And at that first kind of sticking point is when I got into mindset work and limiting beliefs. Um, at that point it was uncovering my, you know, very, very deep subconscious fear that my body was going to break down. You know, I grew up with a mom who had autoimmune disease. She had MS. And so, you know, it was healing that limiting belief and, and what I thought was going to be my fate because of what I saw my mom experience. And after that, you know, I reached another plateau point some months later, however long it was. And then I found energy healing. And so it was this kind of like very circuitous path of, you know, I would improve a little bit and then find something else because I wasn't really getting better. And then I would go a different direction and, and you still use the things that I had found and collected on the way, just adding tools to my tool belt. And I guess a couple years ago at this point, I had known about human design much before that, but didn't really get into it when I first heard about it. And then a few years ago, whenever it came back into my awareness, I was like, all right, I've got to get a reading. I got to do this thing. I got to understand. I'm just like being screamed at to follow this path. And I eventually got my first reading so much clicked into place. I was like, this makes so much sense to me. I don't know why, but it, I just like get it. Um, and I'm really able or able to easily pick up and speak the language. And it just, it just clicked, um, one of those moments and what really kind of sealed the deal for me. And kind of when I got into gene keys as well, which is, like I said, kind of what I view the soul aspect of, um, the whole system is, when I finally, and I had been getting this intuitive nudge for years to move out of LA. I've been living there for a little over a decade, um, went to college down there and then just got a job and, you know, life happens and you stay. But about maybe like fall of 2019, I started getting this nudge, like, you got to go, like, get out of here, <laughs> like move, explore, do whatever. And I was like, I don't know where I'm going to go. Like my whole life is here. What am I going to do? So I was intellectualizing again, this decision that my heart space was like, you got to leave. And so eventually last year when I did finally pack up and move, um, and I've been doing this nomad thing ever since, but it literally the week that I got out of LA, all of my lingering symptoms were gone. My skin cleared up. My inflammation was gone. Um, my like recovery, like all the things that it was just minor. It was like that last 10%, but all of it disappeared. Come to find out it's part of my, you know, gene keys that my environment is really what keeps me healthy. And so that environment was just no longer healthy for me. Um, mm -hmm. so it's just really fascinating the way all these parts like link up. There's almost been nothing about human design that I've been able to be like, no, that doesn't really, that doesn't really resonate. And if it does, it's probably because it's my conditioning in the way. So it's, yeah, it's been fascinating. I think that's super fascinating for so many reasons, but I've noticed that in my own life too, where the more that I started following my design, my astrology, when I really started deep diving into astrology and understanding the inner workings of just my design, 
when I started taking like action that was based out of what my intuition was guiding me towards, instead of resisting it, talking myself out of it, letting the ego run the show, the health symptoms went away. I had worked with so many functional medicine doctors for years and they helped me to a certain extent, but then the symptoms would come back always. They would always come back. I would get better to a point. The symptoms would come back. And then I would have lingering ones, especially with my hormones that just never would go away. And now what's really interesting is I made some really big shifts in my life this year alone. And I'm only like a month into living in LA and I've already had like wild things change in my body, just health wise, like improve, heal itself, miracles. It, it feels like, um, because I know that it's like when you're living your design, when you're showing up for yourself, your body feels that we don't even necessarily think about how the body is, is catching up and is, understanding and sensing the new environment, the new decisions that we're making that are based out of our design and alignment. And it's reprogramming itself in a way that supplements and healing protocols and diet can only get us so far. So there's just like such a multifaceted approach that can really move the needle. And for me, it was like the energy work, the shifting, living my design. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting because we kind of forget that like First of all, our body is our most incredible awareness tool. Um, there's this whole concept, and I can get a little sciencey, so my science hat's going to come on for a second. But there's this whole concept of interoception, which is literally like our sixth sense. It's, it's literally like the sensory aspects of our body, like our subconscious and our conscious minds communicating, and it's our body literally picking up what's going on in the environment. And like that's what human design gives us a roadmap to. Um, so it really, it really does feel scientific to me, human design, which is again, one of the 18,000 reasons I love it, but it's also like people don't understand enough. And I've seen this mentioned kind of in the holistic health space, but never really like openly discussed or talked about at the forefront. It's like your soul health matters. And that's what your authority is literally trying to get you to move towards. It's what's healthiest for your soul. And like, you know, the path of least resistance towards your desires or what feels best for you on this planet. Like it sounds a little like, I don't know, crazy, but it's true. And people don't realize just how much that energetic stress really matters. Cause it's not the same stress as like your job's really hectic and crazy. That feels different to me. It's not the same type of stress where like you're in a fight with your partner or your best friends or whatever it is. Like those are different types of stressors that people are more, I think, consciously aware of, but this energetic stress piece, it's just this like low level, like this isn't right. Like this doesn't feel good, whether it's where you're living, whether it's your job, whether it's, you know, it could be anything, but we're so trained not to listen to that little nudge and the little nudge comes through for each of us differently. And that's, you know, authority in human design, but we're so trained not to listen to that nudge because our mind is telling us what is quote unquote correct. But often the mind is telling us what is quote unquote correct based on your parents conditioning or society's conditioning or something that's not authentic to you. And so it's like, if we can step beyond that for a second, and like you said, like kind of let your ego move aside and the ego's not wrong. It's not bad. It's doing its best. And, and, you know, it deserves love. It's trying to protect us all the things, but if we can just like set that aside for a second and just take a leap of faith and follow the thing, I think, I mean, the effects would be massive. Well, and I think a lot of times people don't purposely don't do the thing because it sounds scary. It doesn't make sense. They can't logically rationalize it. So they just shut it down. 
And then your body is picking up on that suppression and you're like, to your point about your soul. And then your soul is just like sinking because it's like, you're not listening. I'm trying to tell you something. And a lot of times it's scary to take those big leaps. It's, it's a lot of times the thing that comes up that we're, our soul is asking us to do is like the opposite of what we think we want and what we want, like where we want to go, how we want to live, where we want to live, what we want to do. And then once you like just do it anyways, like I like to just close my eyes and just take that leap. And then you're like, oh, this is why, this is why it was guiding me here. This is why it was telling me that, wow, that's wild. And you never would have even, you know, been able to figure that out if you didn't just take the leap. And it's probably not going to make sense. I think that's the point. Yeah. I like to think of it as the image I always get is like somebody holding a clenched fist and you're just holding your clenched fist. Like, I mean, you've been holding it for, I mean, for me, like three decades and you you've been holding it so long, you don't even know it's clenched anymore. And then you start to slowly unclench and eventually, you know, you make these decisions that don't make sense. But every time you make a decision that follows your authority or that follows your intuition, your hand is opening and relaxing just a little bit. And then once you finally like reflect back from, you know, six months, three years, whatever it is later, you're like, oh my God, I feel like I can take a deeper breath. Like, I feel like my whole nervous system is way more calm. I feel like my auric field is like way more spread out because I'm actually landed and safe here in me as me, instead of trying to clench myself through all these things that really feel uncomfortable to me and don't feel natural to me, but forcing my way through anyway and holding that much tension. Like it's, spiritual tension, but it's also like physical tension. I don't know about you. I'd be curious to hear your perspective too, but like my whole body and like being inside out feels like it's so much more relaxed and grounded and landed since really kind of doing this work. And and you can take that as human design or really just a lot of the, you know, energetic healing work that I know you've been doing as well. Um, it feels like yeah, just this, I, I always talk about it just in terms of like this big exhale. Like every time I make that decision, I get to exhale a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. Yeah. It's like when you're not fighting it, that I still clench up and I want to fight it. And I'm, when I'm in resistance mode, that's when my anxieties, you know, cropping up, that's when I want to move to like some of my substances like alcohol or whatever to numb and escape. And what I've noticed about doing so much healing work, energy work, all of the things, those don't even get me off. Like they used to, like, Mm -hmm. I can't like, and now I'm so sensitive to them. Like I can barely have one drink and I get a headache and I'm like, I don't even, this is not even worth it anymore. And so now my body is at this part. It's it's, I still get waves of anxiety, but for the most part, it's at this point where it just craves the peace and quiet and it just craves silence more than anything, which is the opposite of how I used to operate. I used to always have music on a podcast on maybe the TV on in the background as well. There was like always noises all around me. I was constantly trying to distract myself. I was constantly getting drunk every night, going out, like just not being in touch with myself. And now it's like, all my body wants is to like do yoga, take deep breaths, lie on lie on the carpet and just stare at the ceiling and like do nothing. And it's like so happy. And it's like so funny how we can like morph into these like totally different versions of ourselves. And like the things that I used to be terrified of, like time with myself alone is now what I crave the most. 
Yeah. Oh, I so resonate with all of that. Like literally my favorite spot when I'm here, I'm I'm currently at uh, my parents' place for just a couple of weeks, but my favorite spot is to just go on the back deck and sit on a chair and it's facing like there's all these plants and there's hummingbird feeders. So I'll just go and like stare at the trees, stare at the plants, stare at the hummingbird and literally like let myself space out. It's the most magical thing. Um, But it truly like this is the whole deconditioning piece, which is, I think really the magic of human design is in the deconditioning. And if people don't know what deconditioning is, that's literally kind of the process of letting go of everything that isn't you to rediscover what is you. And that could be beliefs and, you know, mindset stuff, which I think a lot of the human design space really focuses on that. But I really see that as a physical process as well. So, you know, emotional processing, even emotional release, like the stuff that's really deeply held and buried in our subconscious, in our cells, in our body. Um, So for me, it really encompasses all of those aspects of you. And it literally is that kind of the other side. And and there again is no endpoint to this process, but once you kind of get over this like initial hump of the deconditioning, so yes, physically healing your body, getting your hormones in check, regulating your nervous system, all that kind of stuff, but also learn to just sit with your emotions, learn to, you know, or really expand your capacity to experience sensation in the body. And that could be a sensation like anxiety. That could be a sensation of pressure of whatever it is. The more we expand our capacity, the more I think good it feels to just sit and be with ourselves because it feels so safe and so like at home to be right here. And then the sensitivity piece that you mentioned too, like I have so much openness in my chart. So it's been really fascinating. I say this year for me has been a lot of contrast and it's been really interesting for me to go into spaces with people who are, you know, not really doing the deconditioning work and all that sort of stuff. Um, or just, you know, be in different situations and, and really witness what happens to my, my system coming out of that. Um, there have been a couple times <laughs> as I've left different places, again, nomading around. So, um, a lot of like times that I'll leave when I'm staying with someone and have a solo drive, Oh, the solo drive time is amazing, but I'll have these like really almost like gut-wrenching, like emotional outbursts in my car, like sobbing while I'm driving. It it makes me giggle a little bit. It sounds a little dramatic, but it's like, I'm just releasing energy and none of it's mine. And I don't need to get attached to it. And I don't need to get into the story of why I'm feeling this way. It's like, I've just been around a bunch of people and a bunch of energy. And I know my system is really, really sensitive. So I just need to let this out. And then once it's out, I can like move on with my life. Um, But I think that's also part of the reason that it feels so good to, you know, be in our own energy or to be with people who are really also well-regulated because you don't have to do all that excess energy, dumping it out on the other side. Yeah. And sometimes I think a shadow side of all the work that we do and like being so sensitive now to our surroundings is that sometimes I'll avoid going out or doing things because I know my system's going to get so activated. And sometimes I just don't have the energy for it that day. So I just like, can't deal. Um, but I have to push myself a little bit because I'm, I can't become a total recluse just because I'm so <laughs> sensitive to all the energies now, but maybe we could break down a little bit, the different types within human design. I think some people get overwhelmed when they're like, I don't even know what you know, what's my design? What's my profile line? What's my authority? What's my, um, incarnation cross? Like there's like so many different aspects. What are the main things that you like to look at when you're looking at clients, human design, and maybe you could share your, um, human design aspects or mine, or we could look at my chart because I think it's helpful to like, kind of go through the different types. And when you were talking about 
picking up auras, like, or when you were talking about in the car where you're having to release energy, I was like thinking about, well, you're a reflector. You're like picking up all these auras. And so you're like having in the car to like release all of the the energy that you were just like picking up. Right. Is that, is that really how you would describe a reflector? I, I'm a projector, um, so, but I only have two out of nine centers. Um, I had your, I had your human design wrong. Oh, you're fine. Um, no, yeah. So I have two centers to find, but I mean, my conscious and my subconscious side. If you separate them, they technically are reflectors. So like, you're not 100 percent wrong. Which <laughs> is onto I, something I intuitively. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many different layers of human design to look at, which is it just makes it endlessly fascinating for me. But I actually don't like to focus on type at first when I'm talking about human design. I think, you know, it's fun and I'll joke around with the types every once in a while. There's a lot about being a projector that I resonate with And I think there is good information within type, but I find that starting there, a lot of people get kind of confused and kind of stuck and it doesn't help you get to know yourself and how you operate literally from a kind of mind level, but also from a body level. And I include authority in that as well. So I like to, you know, nickname my approach inside out. Um, Because the other thing about energy type too is I was mentioning earlier, you know, it's how you interact with the environment and people and work and all that sort of thing. And and that is more of what energy type encompasses. I like to start with you first. So I like to go authority first. Like if there's one thing that you know and tap into throughout your entire life from human design, like let it be authority. Because when you start living from that place moment to moment, like letting yourself and really life kind of lead you along this journey life just gets so much easier and like you produce better. I mean, the, the tangible results of my work when I've been really tuned into my authority on an ongoing basis like that, you know, making this a lifestyle versus when I would just check in it every once in a while and still be kind of like forcing and pushing my way through and my ebbs and flows and not honoring those. Like the difference is astronomical. What has changed for me? And like, literally like I have receipts of things. So it's just really fascinating. So if there's one thing, first and foremost, start with your authority. From there, I like to go into profile because while your authority is how you kind of lead yourself and how you have this like conversation with life about, you know, path of least resistance, your profile. And I actually like to tape a level deeper and talk about the lines in general, all six of them. That's how you really get to know and understand yourself. So for me, The lines, I mean, there's so much that has made a ton of impact, but I can literally pinpoint as I'm reflecting back over the past few years, these sticking points along my way. And they're exactly perfectly correlated to the lines in my chart. And as soon as I freed those aspects of myself, I was so much more free to be all of me and operate as me in the world, in everything that I do. Because the lines, they really do influence how you are as a generator or how I am as a projector. Like, the inside out again, like how I understand myself and then let's worry about what I do and how I interact with the world around me and and all of that thing. So that's kind of why I love that. I love that you kind of take a different approach than, than most that do this work. Okay. It's official. I'm in a serious relationship with the elevated elixirs by cured nutrition. I just got my first 12-pack in the mail, and I'm sad to say that I already drank them all. They were so delicious. In the afternoon, I can't tell you what a bubbly beverage does for my soul. I really need 
something to kind of perk me up in the afternoons when I'm just feeling the heat exhaustion, the summer months, you're trying to work, you're trying to do things at the computer and you just kind of want something bubbly, fizzy, something to kind of perk you up a little bit. These beverages do that. I'm obsessed with the ginger lime flavor. I love that they are carbonated. They give you that kind of like sparkle fizzle, but they don't have all the junk that traditional energy drinks have. And they actually have a lot of ingredients that help perk you up beyond just the fizziness. The drinks contain CBD, lion's mane, L-theanine, and a vitamin blend with like a ton of vitamins that I'm probably deficient on and could use a little boost with anyways. The ginger lime flavor is really refreshing and just gives a little pizzazz aftertaste in your mouth as it goes down. I love these ice cold. I even add like crushed ice, put it in a wine glass to make it feel like this more elevated experience and they taste good and they don't contain alcohol and they calm your soul with the CBD. So it really is that perfect blend of like all the bucket list items I was hoping for with these elixirs. I've now tried several of the cured product line. I love their aura supplements for kind of gut health. I love their Zen relaxation nightcaps, which are filled with functional mushrooms, adaptogens, nootropics, and also cannabinoids to just really help you Zen out in the evenings. And I daily take their CBD full spectrum hemp oil because it's just kind of that everyday baseline dose of cannabinoids, terpenes, and flavonoids to just help me feel a little bit more calm, ease some of my anxieties. So if you haven't tried their products yet, you are missing the boat. They do have these new CBD THC gummies that I'm dying to try next. So I will keep you posted. If you want to try any of their product line, you can get 10% off your first order with coupon code epiphany at checkout. And their website is curednutrition.com. Epiphany for 10% off your first order. Go check them out. And if you try the elixirs, tell me what you think. What are the different authority types and what are the different profile lines? Like, what do they all mean? Yeah. So there's seven different authorities. There's six different profile lines. Um, and maybe I'll just use kind of yours and my chart as an example for them, Perfect. just to not overwhelm people with all of the information. So we'll start with yours, I guess. So you are a sacral authority, meaning literally trust your gut. And this is the interesting thing too, about all of the kind of classic advice you hear about intuition. It's like, trust your gut or follow your heart or like, that's correct for some people, but it's not for others. So if I tried to follow my gut, I'd be like, what the fuck's happening to me? <laughs> like, that's so funny. Because that's not an energy that operates 100% of the time for me, whereas for you it is. And generator, while yes, that does, or, or sacral, while yes, that does make you a generator type being. Again, I don't like to focus on that so much because a lot of the rhetoric there goes into, or at least not focus on it at first. A lot of it's like, you're here to work and like do what lights you up. And like, Yes. And what lights you up might be rest. What lights you up might be going for a walk. So when it gets conflated with the like working conversation and like what you're here to do, I see people often get super tripped up and like, oh, I just have to work all the time. And like, that doesn't feel good for me. Like, when do I get to rest? 
when I found out I was a generator, I got super triggered because I was like, what the fuck? I'm not, I don't want to work all the time. I don't feel energized at all. I have like chronic fatigue and I have like all these like health ailments. And part of that was that I wasn't living my design. So it was like, part of it was, okay, once I started living my design, I started getting my energy back. But then the other part of it is seeing it beyond the work context that we're just programmed to always think it means it's about work. It's about literally whatever the thing is that you're doing. Sometimes for me, it can be my, like how I like to get dressed and like for the day or like get my makeup done, like do my makeup myself. I like to make it a whole vibe. I like to put music on. I like to like have a lot of fun and dance around my room and like, just make it like this whole thing. And that lights me up. And that's because I'm living my design. Like I'm supposed to be doing that. And then the other thing that I think is really interesting about, um, authority type, me being a sacral was tying it to my astrology. When I trace that I'm a North node in cancer and cancer rules the stomach, I was curious. And I'd be curious to get your thoughts. If there's a correlation there, because when I was like, Oh, if my North nodes in cancer and cancer rules, the stomach, there is that piece about gut instinct and my intuition from the astrology angle. So it makes sense that I would be a sacral, but I know that there can be people that are sacrals that aren't North node in cancer. So I, I don't know. It's just interesting how that all works. Yeah, I'm sure. I, and I'm not like an astrology genius, you know, way more about it than I do, but <laughs> I'm sure there are a lot of kind of correlations that you could make that are like that. Um, and maybe not even specifically just with the North node placement, but I'm sure there are other placements that you could kind of correlate. I mean, different just like the different seven chakras um, correlate with different body parts and aspects. Same thing for the nine centers in human design. So yeah, there's definitely a correlation between, you know, that area of the body and what's going on energetically in that space. I mean, I have a really good friend who is a manifesting generator also with a sacral authority. And she was very much not living her sacral. It was so funny. I would constantly remind her like, Hey, have you, have you asked your sacral? <laughs> um, but once like she had basically fibroid cysts that developed on her, um, ovaries. And once she started following her authority, they went away. So it's like, I was is- just going to say, yeah, I've had chronic gut stuff. And as soon as I started living my design, the gut stuff healed. And so it was like, <laughs> then I could tap into my sacral words before I was like, I don't know. I always have a fucking stomach ache. I, I have no idea what my sacral is telling me other than it, everything sucks. <laughs> yeah. Which is why I always think it's really important. And this is what I emphasize like in my program. This is what I emphasize just with clients in general. Like don't bypass the physical stuff just to get to the energetic stuff. And I know you know this very well, but it's like, do the, the protocols, like clear the gut, like heal and seal, like eat clean, work out in the way that's correct for your body and your energy levels and all the things like do the holistic health stuff a hundred percent. And also don't ignore the fact that you're a soul in a body and like that actually matters. <laughs> so I like to bring yes. it all together really, really, truly holistically. I love that. And I think the functional medicine and the supplements are a good entry point layering in the energetics and the design then you can actually test your body and taper off the supplements. Cause I went through this whole period where I was scared to eat anything that wasn't clean. I was scared to go off the supplements. I was so addicted to them. And I was scared what was going to happen if I went off my supplements because I was, I didn't trust my body. And the more that I was like, 
doing the energetic work, I'm like, I don't actually think I need the supplement started to feel like it was just a placebo effect. And when I finally had the courage to stop taking them, I was like, Oh, sure enough. My body does know what it's doing now. So it's like, I love the energetic and human design piece coming into play kind of like as that secondary layer. And then it can sometimes help you make the shift from always relying on the health and the diet stuff. Not that that's not important, but just like, it doesn't have to be the only thing that you're doing the rest of your life. Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting too. And this is one of the other pieces, like when I was in the middle of my journey, like obviously hindsight being 2020, but I was like, I don't, none of this makes sense to me. I mean, human design. Yes. But like my path and, and the way that I collected the tools and what I learned, it didn't make sense to me for a long time. I'm a third line. So like, well, I'm a one, three. So I get really fascinated by things. And I think this is going to be the thing. And I study and learn all the things about it. And I get the certifications and all the things. And then I'm like, well, I'm done with that. I'm on to the next. <laughs> and I kept like picking things up and putting it down. And I got so mad at myself for so long because I was like, well, and I would f- try to force myself to do the thing, even though it didn't feel aligned for me for a really long time as well. So like I tried to make nutrition work for a really long time, even though I wasn't into that anymore. I mean, I'm still into it, but not like as my main focus. And so it's just so interesting to like, think of it from that perspective, because I'm so grateful for all those different aspects. I mean, because they're part of what made things make sense for me, but also because, and specifically to what you were saying, like healing my relationship with my body was one of the first things that I did. So by the time I got to human design, which like I said, in the beginning is like a body-based literal tool, it just made sense for me. And it was really easy for me to access that. Whereas a lot of people in the beginning, like say you have, um, issues with weight and body dysmorphia and that sort of thing. And you hate your stomach. And I tell you, like, listen to your gut. You're going to be like, fuck no, I hate my stomach. And so we really do have to heal the relationship with the body. For me, I'm, I'm a self-projected authority. So it's literally like my heart space, my throat, even the tone of my voice, um, is what tells me, you know, what's correct for me or not. And if you had told me back then to listen to my voice, I'd be like, I literally hate the sound of my voice. No. (laughs) And so it's really interesting to witness that in myself. Like I could listen to myself talk. I have no issues like listening to my podcast episodes or like whatever. Cause I actually really like the sound of my own voice. I'm like, fuck yeah. But literally the tone changes. You have to be able to heal the relationship and be willing to listen to that part of you in order to really partner with your authority in that sense. Yeah. It's almost like you can't even really access the power of it until you heal some of the body stuff and the physical stuff first. And, and a lot of the mindset stuff, um, I struggled with body will still do with body stuff all the time. It always is like something I'm constantly still working through where I think like to your point about the the stomach, it's like, well, I don't even want to spend time trying to access my stomach. So that that's actually really fascinating to me. Um, if people are trying to live more their design, like what are some of the things you would recommend they can do to just start trying to tap in or tune in or, or just connect with, with their design? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I think first of all, go get your chart because <laughs> you need to know what, what, yeah, where do you go, go get your chart? Where do you look it up? Yeah, there's plenty of different websites. I personally like genetic matrix. I think the like location data is a little bit more accurate and the timing and all that, but, um, Jovian archive is another good one that comes to mind. That's really popular. Um, I can send over a link and you can pop it in the show notes for people. Um, but first of all, you know, just have your chart or have someone who knows it and can, you know, access it and and tell you what your authority is. And if you're literally wanting to start there, just start to 
investigate, I think your relationship with that aspect of yourself. So, you know, like I said, there's seven, there is the sacral authority. I'm self-projected. So literally my heart space, um, you could be a mental authority, which again, the mind isn't the authority. It's all about feeling into your environment and processing your thoughts about what you're picking up from the environment. Um, there's an ego projected authority, which is all about like willpower and drive and motivation and that sort of thing. So literally like what motivates you and just start to investigate your relationship with that aspect. Um, I think one that is probably the stickiest arguably for many people is emotional authority because of the way that we handle emotions just as a collective. Um, it's a little, uh, unhealthy <laughs> to say the least, but, um, just really investigate that. And, and there's strategies you can do for the different types, like for a sacral authority, put your hands on your stomach and ask yourself yes or no questions. Like, do I want to eat cereal for breakfast today? Uh-uh. Do I want to eat, you know, toast for breakfast today? Uh-huh. Like really simple practices like that um, can really start to help you connect to that part and, and heal your relationship. I think human design is also a really incredible tool to he help heal your relationship with your physical body and kind of get you back in since a lot of us aren't really living a hundred percent in the body. For sure. We're, we're, we're always trying to repress and avoid and, um, it's uncomfortable. Other, so I'm going to do other myself. things. <laughs> yes. Eject. Exactly. Where's the eject button? Yeah. I like to use human design, um, parts of the chart with my style clients. Like, so I'll do an astro styling reading. We'll look at their astrology. And then for human design specifically, I like to look at their authority and their type as far as like shopping, like how to make decisions when you're shopping, because if you can start tuning into how your body responds when you're looking at clothes online, if you should be shopping, you know, IRL versus URL, like online or in stores, like based on what your type is. And then also, um, just like, is this piece, like if you're an emotional authority, which they don't love to hear this, I'm always like, wait, don't buy the thing right away. If you're a sacral authority, like me, when you see something, it lights you up, you get that like fire through your whole body. It's like, you better buy that. If you don't like it, something's wrong with you. But yeah. when you're an emotional, it's like, you have to ride the wave. And if it's a big purchase, I always recommend wait a full moon cycle, which people really don't like to hear, but that's like that 28 plus day cycle of like letting the emotions ride. What, what are your like practices around that? Or like, what do you recommend with clients as far as like, if you're an emotional authority, is it like wait 24 hours? Is it wait a whole month? Like what is, what is the best practice? It, the best practice is you tune into your authority and find out what length of time feels good to you. Cause every, and like people don't love to hear that because they like the generalized yeah. answer. I play mean, around with it. You have to play around. Truly though. And, and so much of my approach to human design and honestly like frustration with the space in general is it is so generalized. Like there is so many different types of waves within the emotional wave. You could have one, you could have multiple. So there's all sorts of different combinations that we can look at. And so, you know, if you don't want to sit in a reading with someone, that's totally fine. But literally start to tap into what your wave feels like for you in your body and what your timing is like and trust your timing above all else, above what any reader tells you, above what any Instagram post tells you, like you will know for you, what is exactly correct for you. And, you know, it can be great to get a reading with someone and sit and kind of understand what your unique wave type or wave combination is. So maybe you have a little bit more awareness out the gate of, okay, this is what it might feel like. And we can kind of trap track it back. I mean, that's another thing that I always recommend to my clients as well is like, 
can you reflect back and start to maybe keep track of a couple decisions that you've made, maybe one with, maybe one without following your kind of emotional wave, if you can remember and see how that felt for you and see how that worked out for you, both the following and the not following. Not everybody can remember one, which is okay. But if you can, that can be a really helpful way to to give yourself a kind of leg up, I think, in terms of understanding what your wave is. And so, yeah, my, my biggest recommendation, which again, a lot of people don't love to hear, but it's literally, you got to test and you got to try and you got to experiment. I think that's a great idea. Like I'm like picturing like journaling every morning or the, in the evening would probably be the best. Like what happened during the day? When was my gut lit up? When wasn't it? And can I remember that for next time and like start kind of patterning, understanding the patterns. I think that's really wise advice is like the number one thing with all of these tools as helpful and eye opening as they can be, is they're not a one size fits all approach. Like, just like we are bio individual, like we're also body (laughs) individual and, and energy individual. So it's like so important to remember that it's not a one size fits all approach, but perhaps we could take a peek at my chart and you could just kind of run through some of the things that you would do and share insights with a client during a human design reading. Yeah. So I think we've talked about your, uh, authority. So we can kind of like bypass that one. That one, like I said, it was always kind of the first thing that I would focus on with the client. Um, so we'll kind of skip into a little bit more of a meaty section, I think, which is so fun yes, um, please. with your chart. We're going to talk about the lines. Cause that's always the thing that I like to go into second. So, um, Once you understand and are playing with your authority, I think it helps to understand literally yourself, your mind and your kind of subconscious mind. But like I said in the beginning, I like to go layer deeper. So through genetic matrix, I can look at your data. You can even do this yourself if you want to do some old school math and count up. You know, basically when you look at your chart, you have the red side and the black side with the little boxes and the astrology symbols and the number with the decimal point and the number behind the decimal point long-winded explanation, but the number behind that decimal point corresponds to one of the six profile lines or lines. And you can count all those up and tally to get the distribution of lines within your chart. So it can happen. And I wouldn't be able to give you a, you know, accurate estimation of how often, but that you have a majority of lines in your chart that actually aren't in your profile. This was the case for me. So I am a one, three profile, but I have a dominance of fives, meaning ones and threes are going to be really important for me to know. But if I don't also understand the five, I'm going to get really stuck. And I did get really stuck for a really long time because I didn't know the fives. Your chart specifically is really, really interesting to me because you're a three, five, and we'll go through what each of those um, are. So third line, well, both of the lines actually very near and dear to my heart because those are, you know, yeah, because you're a one, three. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. One, three and dominance of five. So I know both very oh. well. Yeah. So the third line is all about experimentation, experience, like play, do all the things, throw spaghetti at the wall. Like the, the most important thing and transformational thing for me was like, you literally cannot fail. And perfectionism was the most anxiety wrenching thing in my life for much of my life. Um, and so I like to think about the third line is like, fuck around and find out, like, let's just see what happens. I don't know. I I'm going to put my hand on the, on the stove, like 17 times, just to see if anything changes. Like sometimes that's the way we are. And so the, the really important thing for the third lines is like, can you just have fun with it? Like, can you take it a little less seriously? It's not the end of the world. And I feel like the conditioning is so intense for the third line of like, you have to get the straight A's and you have to achieve and like, everything has to be perfect and be the best. And it's like, that's so 
not the point. The point or is the, sh- just- the shame of starting something and then being over it. Like I've yeah. pivoted in my career so many more times than I care to admit. And I used to feel so much shame about that. The three, five, I was like the three, oh, it's like so freeing. I could like take a deep breath. I'm like, well, uh, of course I'm like, I feel like I'm always like running in a zillion different directions. I always have so many different interests. So that is so freeing to understand. Yeah. And it's important to remember too, like you doing that gives permission for everyone else to do the same. So them seeing you try on all the things and experiment and change career seven times or change, you know, niches seven times, like that's permission for them to not stick with the thing if it no longer feels resonant. And so, you know, by living your design, every aspect, not just your lines, but every aspect is like, you're also giving other people permission to do the same thing. So third line. Fifth line. I like to think about fifth line as like (laughs) Spider-Man. If you've seen some of the Spider-Man movies, some people really love Spider-Man and they're like, this guy's the hero. He's saving the day. He's amazing. Some people hate Spider-Man and they vilify him and they like literally put him on the news and they're like, we got to get this guy like down with Spider-Man. That's kind of the essence of the fifth line. It's like, you're going to trigger some people. Some people are going to love you and think that you can kind of save the day for them. It's this kind of interesting, like projection field sort of thing that happens with the fifth line. And this is where I got really stuck with my fifth line for a while. It's like it, a lot of the conditioning with the fifth line comes in. It feels so good when we're young to be recognized for certain things, even if those things aren't naturally the way that we would want to operate. And so you start playing out this thing, but kind of deep down, you're worried about what people are thinking about you and you want to be the hero and not, you know, the villain. And so you start to do different things around different people and you're thinking about what they're going to think of you and they're projecting onto you and you're projecting onto them. So it's like this, the really big back and forth thing of like, now I just don't know who I am or how to operate or what feels like me. Guilty, guilty. I'm like the queen chameleon. Yeah. Which is not a bad thing. Um, and we can also, you know, when it comes to chameleon, look at, you know, identity center and I believe you have an open identity. So, or undefined. Um, so there's a whole aspect of that, but for the fifth line, it's like, I, I almost think of the fifth line as like wanting to become unfuckwithable, right? Like you are you, what is true for you is true for you. And you are safe to be that and do that and whatever it is. And like everybody else, cool. They're going to think what they think, just release the expectations, release the projections and the fears and the judgment of whatever else they're going to think and just do you. And like always come back to center with the fifth line. I feel like is, is kind of, um, one of the big things. Just hearing that feels like a huge weight off my back. I love that. Uh. I'm so glad. That's a beautiful insight. Yeah. I mean, the fifth line is really sticky as a collective. A lot of us are really kind of stuck in the wounded fifth line as well. So um, Mm. even if you don't have a fifth line prominent or, you know, if it's not a big energy within your chart, even if it's not in your profile, um, I think a lot of people are really experiencing the shadow aspect of that as well. So something good for everybody to, to note. But what's so interesting when I looked at your chart and in the data view is you actually more than threes and fives, you have sixes and ones. So really, really interesting. Like all four of those lines are going to feel probably pretty relevant to you because your profile lines, no matter how many you have, like those are two of the major aspects of your chart, but then you have this layer deeper where, you know, I told you I have a dominance of fives, you have a dominance of ones and sixes. So those are going to play a really big role in kind of your journey and, and, you know, how you navigate. And so I think empowering people to understand these lines that they may have more of equally lines that they don't have any of. And I say that, but it's not necessarily true that we don't have any of the lines, even if you don't have it show up in your 
tart um, in either the red side or the blue side, you still have it because there's like layers underneath layers underneath layers with human design, never ending rabbit hole. But if you don't have that line in your chart, you might experience that energy even more. So it's a really good thing to be aware of too, to really understand that energy because it's almost like not natural or native to you. So for you, we'll talk about the ones and the six really quickly as well. The one, another energy I know and love very well, the one is about creating like solid foundations. It's often talked about in terms of being kind of the investigator where I like to think of it as if there's something I'm into, I'm like a dog with a bone. I want to learn everything about everything. I need to know all the things and I need to know it now. Um, (laughs) But the point of that is not to just know all the things for the sake of knowing all the things. It's because it's creating this solid foundation for everything else to build off of because the lines really do build on top of each other. So if the one doesn't feel safe and sturdy and stable, you can think of it like, you know, building a house on a solid foundation if it's not a solid foundation, the rest of the house is going to get all wonky and kind of messed up and kind of not be able to, you know, build properly. So the one is about like, I'm, I'm into all this knowledge and I'm finding maybe the cracks in this knowledge, or you can even um, think about it in terms of relationships too. Like, where is this relationship feeling maybe a little unstable? So you can find yourself like, kind of like hyper-focusing on things sometimes, um, because you're really, <laughs> I know. Did I, did I just trigger you? <laughs> That's what it's all about. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things with the one is like, when it comes to kind of like the information, it's like, can you just trust that you know enough and move from there? Cause a lot of times the one will get paralyzed in, I don't know enough. I need to know everything about this thing before I can move forward. Right. And so it's like, can you trust that you know enough now? And you can learn more along the way, like really seeing yourself as an expert already. And also you always become more of an expert. Um, so that's a little bit about the one I saw you I, shaking your head. <laughs> I, well, I love that because I never knew that I had ones and sixes in my chart. So this is like hugely eye-opening and it resonates so much with the one because I deep dive into all these things. And then I think I get frustrated with my three line because then I'm like ready to pivot by the time I feel like I've like basically, you know, learned the language or gotten the foundation that feels really solid and grounded in whatever the skill is then I'm like already thinking about the next thing. And then I'm like, wait, stop thinking about the next thing. Like you just (laughs) spent all this time learning about this thing. Like, can't you stay here for a minute? And my soul is always ready to go on to the next thing. So it's just really, it's fascinating how that all works. Yeah. The dance of the one, three, I know and love it so well. It's like, I think for that kind of combination in particular, it's like, trust that you'll always come back to it. It wasn't for nothing that you spent all that time and and learned all the things because it will inevitably come back around for you. It might not make sense and it might not be like the next thing. And we can spend a lot of time like forcing and trying to make that the thing, but it will always come back around. So I think that kind of helps like the one, three journey a little bit. Um, and then six lines, we'll talk about that really briefly as well. So you have the most six lines out of anything else. Um, six and followed by one are your top two. The sixth line, I like to think about this as master Yoda. So Yoda went through a whole, you know, experience as a Jedi, like doing the fighting thing. You know, he was on the ground doing the thing. And then he eventually became this like kind of wise sage who Luke visits. If you've seen Star Wars, you'll know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. <laughs> a little bit of a nerd yeah, over we, here. We love Star Wars. <laughs> but um, the, the sixth line is like, it's wisdom through experience, right? So traditional human design, we'll talk about it in terms of kind of this role model thing. I don't necessarily know that that like hundred percent resonates with me, but 
why I think kind of the master Yoda example is so good. It's because for, you know, the first section of your life, traditional human design says about 30 years. It doesn't have to be that though. So first little bit of your life, you're going to be experimenting, doing all the things, feeling a lot like a third line, playing, trying things on, quote unquote, failing, even though that doesn't exist. And then eventually you kind of collect all your wisdom and, and human design space calls it like climbing on the roof. That's when you kind of transition from this like lived experience into this kind of like elevated, I think is a little bit too charged, but you're, you're a bit, um, more of an objective observer of the things. And you kind of become this expert through lived experience, which is why it's kind of like the role model. Um, I think role model is a little bit too charged, but it's kind of this objective kind of observer who can kind of share the wisdom that was gained through the experience, just like master Yoda. So you have a lot of that in your, your chart as well. Well, I love that. And I think I've noticed in my life, the older I've gotten where I know because I like to deep dive and learn all these things and experiment, I know a little bit about a lot of different things. And so people can come to me or something comes up in a conversation and I usually have some resonance of connection point where I have either a personal experience or I know about it, or I know a resource that I can refer. And so as a coach, it's very helpful because when it comes up in client sessions, so many different things can come up in a client session, as you know, and I usually have like some kind of connection point where we can expand what the, whatever is coming up for the client. And, and so I do kind of like to think I wear that a little bit with the badge of honor, even though I never knew I had it until today. That's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, so that's a little bit about all your lines. I mean, you have the other two as well, but, um, you know, they're not going to be as prominent of an energy. So I love like watching you react to all this and like seeing how it resonates. Cause it's so clear from your reactions that like all of these, you can definitely like link it back to a time or, um, maybe it's charged, maybe it's not charged, but you have definitely like awareness of all of these things playing out, which is why I love to, to take the deeper kind of look into it. Yes. I feel so seen. <laughs> so deeply, deeply That's seen, the point. <laughs> right? <laughs> Nailed it. <sighs> Well, that's so fun. I mean, I feel like we could go into so many different aspects of human design charts. And I think that's why it's so important to partner up, get a reading done. I know that you offer human design readings as part of your work. Like, can you walk us through some of your programs right now? Yeah. So I have a couple different avenues to go. And one thing about my approach to human design is I really focus on the application and like the tangible. I mean, I think probably that came through as we've been talking, but like the tangible day-to-day, like what does this actually look like and how does it apply rather than just letting this be another thing that you know a bunch of stuff about, but don't actually use day-to-day. So with that, I do have one-off readings, but I do like to recommend, I offer kind of an add-on of Voxer support. So if you get the one-off reading, you can obviously get that and just do the one-off and um, we'll spend 60 minutes together and you'll get the recording and all the information and all the things. But adding on the Voxer support, you'll get three days of private Voxer space with me where you can come and ask questions and clarify the integration piece. And like, how do I actually do this in my day-to-day life, which I love so much. Um, and I don't often see like that kind of like ongoing support in this space. So, um, that's the the kind of one-off reading. That sounds huge as like a huge um, value add because I feel like when you're first getting to know what your design is and like the patterning, like we were talking about maybe journaling or something, it can be so helpful to be like, wait, am I doing this right? Am I feeling this right? Is this what this is coming up? So I love that you offer that extra oomph of support. Like so, so cool. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing that I wished I had at the beginning 
to understand how to actually take this from a thing that I know to tap into sometimes to a thing that I actually live. Um, so style. Yeah. Yeah. So the second one, um, I think of the kind of the, and the readings, I call them immersed just because I like everything to have a vibe. Um, the second option is define. And so this, I, I would say, is more suited for people who perhaps don't want to go as deep and know like everything about everything uh, that has to do with their chart. This is a three-week kind of crash course to your human design where we spend one week talking about your authority, one week about your lines, and one week about your energy type and give you time and space in between each topic to really integrate and really reflect and really start to like apply it and practice it in your own life. Um, So this is, I think, better suited for someone who's maybe a little bit earlier on or perhaps, you know, wants to know how to apply it and like what their chart looks like and just kind of like the bigger aspects, the quote unquote more important ones, but not actually know everything about everything, like I said. Um, or someone who maybe isn't new, but really wants to take the time and kind of review these different aspects of their chart and go a little bit like deeper and really get the the time and space to talk it out, what it looks like in their life, what blocks might've come up, that sort of thing. So that one's called define. Um, you also have the option of the, the Voxer support for that one as well, just in case that feels really yummy. And then I also have, which I'm so excited about a program that I'm launching very, very soon. It's called emerge. And this is basically a deconditioning playground. So not only will you learn kind of the basics of your human design chart, but you also get all of the deconditioning tools that I have collected and many, you know, perfected, well, not perfected. What even is that? But, um, all of my tools all in one place. One thing that I see in the human design spaces, it's often like, here's your reading now go off and have fun, like figure it out for yourself. And I, I would say like the advantage to my journey was I did so much of the deconditioning beforehand. And so this is literally like everything that you need to not only learn your human design, but also apply it, also navigate the blocks that come up, the emotional stuff, even the physical body. Like, how do I support that? How do I you know, heal my hormones and all of that stuff, the mindset work, the energetics, it's all in one place for you. Um, so I'm super, super excited about that. That is launching very soon, but just wanted to shout that one out as well. That's amazing. And it sounds like it, it's a way that you've blended all of your background into one program, which that's yeah. got to feel like you're living your full design. That's really yeah. exciting. <laughs> it's been so gratifying to watch it come together. Cause I wrote this program actually a while ago and I had put it under a different kind of lens at first. And I was like, this doesn't feel right to me. And this was a big initiation for me, you know, trusting and living my authority even deeper. It was like, this isn't right. And I was working with a business coach who I love very much, but I was watching myself pick up on her thoughts around it and pick up on her excitement about it. But I was like, this isn't correct. And so I let it sit and I let it marinate and it's come together as this whole beautiful thing that truly does blend literally all of the life experience, all of the investigation um, and the time that I spent learning all these things. They all came back together like I was telling you with the one three. So um, I'm super proud of the program. I'm really excited about it. And it's, I mean, it's lots of fun. Like that's also one thing about my approach to human design is like, let's have fun with it. Let's play. It's so third line of me. Like, let's just have fun and experiment and try things on. And like, it's not that serious. So, um, well, that's one thing that has always drawn me about the work that you do. And even your podcast, just like your approach to spirituality, your approach to human design, your approach to like the woo woo topics is like, you're always like making it fun. You're making it cool. So if like, you know, we, you have I'll link to your Instagram because you always make these fun reels where you're like breaking down human design in the, the most unexpected way that always has me laughing. <laughs> or you're like doing like a, 
you know, a meme, like making fun of something, but like tying it to human design. And I'm just like, this is great because it's, it's like, don't let's not take this so seriously. It is supposed to be fun. We're learning about ourselves. Sometimes it's triggering when we learn things that we don't necessarily want to learn, but it's all for the greater good. And when we can like make fun of it, have fun with it, then it like, it just can make it just more people are going to want to access it. I feel like that helps build community as well as just like have more fun. Who doesn't want to have more fun? Yeah. Well, and like make fun of yourself a little bit. That's always been my Yeah, thing. it's not. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for saying all that. I really appreciate and receive all that. It's so funny for me to hear people be like, it's so cool. And I'm like, am I cool? <laughs> but um, yeah, you're yeah cool. I mean, that's, that's one thing that I like about it is to make it more approachable for people. Um, I think everybody can benefit from this tool, whether or not you want to know everything about it. And I think you know, one of the cool things about it is you don't actually have to know all the things about it. If you have the awareness of it and then can just like track that pattern over time, you don't really need to know that you're, you know, a three, five emotional generator or whatever you are. Um, you can just know that this is my pattern. And I think human design does a good job of making that a little easier for you, but I really do want to make it like fun and approachable and, and a little less like sterile. Sometimes it's not information. It's something to be played with and to have fun with and to really like experience. And so if I can talk about it in terms of Yoda or a Spider-Man or Mario Kart and have that resonate with people and finally like click for them, then I'm all for it. So love that Caitlin. I will definitely be linking where people can find you. I would also just love to hear before we close this nomad lifestyle, what has it been like since you've left LA and are you loving the nomad life? What is your design calling you towards right now? Just to continue the nomad life? Or are you going to be settling in somewhere? I will be settling somewhere, but, uh, not for a little bit yet. Um, (laughs) it's such an interesting, weird way to live my life literally based on my authority. Cause it's like, until I get the yes from my authority, I literally can't decide. And I literally don't know. Um, <laughs> so I just kind of go where the wind takes me. And so many people like ask like, what are your next steps? What are your plans? And sometimes I'm like, I, I, I will make a plan when I know when my authority says to go. So I, love I mean, that. the journey itself has been really magical. Um, I've been so many places that I've been hoping to go. Um, I've watched really cool things manifest for myself. Like when I was kind of packing up and making the decision, I was like, you know, I would love to just be a snowboard bum for (laughs) a couple of months and like just ski all the time or snowboard all the time. Um, And literally back to back to back to back, I got invited to like four or five weekends in a row of snowboard trips. And I was like, are you kidding? (laughs) There's got to be something to that. You're being guided for a reason. The, The things are coming in because you're opening yourself up to living how, what that point of your journey is. Yeah. And so I visited lots of places. Like I said, um, I've spent a lot of time on my own, which has been really lovely. I think an interesting part of my past few years is I'm finally feeling like myself for the first time, perhaps since I was very, very young. And so it's, it's been a process of individuating myself. I'm also in a one year in numerology, if you know, numerology. And so a lot of that I really see as like individuating and honestly isolating in a sense. Like a lot of my time has been like, I want to go to this place and maybe I think that I'm going to do all these things, but I'm literally just going to go and spend time in my energy in that place, which has been really lovely. And so, yeah, then, I mean, the next steps are, I'm thinking maybe like a Zion in Denver situation, but I'm not quite sure when exactly that'll be, um, planning to kind of wander a little bit through the fall and then probably settle down 
towards the beginning of next year. I'm thinking San Diego. I was there a few weeks ago and it was it was magical. It was so aligned and it's exactly the place. And it was not at all what I thought I was going to do or be or anything like that. But like, that's literally when I got there, it was like a clear and present yes, but not right now. So, um, that's kind of the the plan. We'll see when I get the yeses, but I love that you're just fully immersed in living your design, letting your design kind of lead the way. And it sounds like it's helped you get to know yourself better. So you're, it's like completely beautiful to have that unfolding. And then to like, kind of just wait for the, the magical pings. And I think we all love San Diego. <laughs> I, I, something to happen to me with San Diego too. Cause I thought for the longest time, that's where I was going to be moving. And LA was like, so last minute and random, but felt so 100% gut sacral. You have to say yes. And I still don't really know why I'm here. Like, I but think it's, right. I think it's still TBD, to. but I think that's what the the point and the magic is of living your design is like, you don't have to have all the answers. It's really just about following the pings or the gut response for me, like whatever your authority is, but, um, and letting the magic unfold because it's like, even with like your snowboarding trip, it's like, you say yes to, okay, I'm going to try the snowboarding thing for a while. Oh, five trips just line up. It's like, that doesn't just randomly happen. <laughs> like that's no. what's so cool. It's like, it's such a fun freeing way to live life that way. Um, just letting the magic take you places. So that's so inspiring, Caitlin. Thank you for just all the shares, all of the insights. You're such a wealth of knowledge. I am obsessed with your podcast. Not so crazy. (laughs) Everyone needs to go listen to it. Um, you've also just been someone in the community, um, that I am a part of where I've learned so much from we've, we've gotten to meet, uh, and just kind of like real talk on like so many things. And I just find you to be so refreshing and I just love your energy and just so thankful that you came on the show and gave us all the knowledge. People definitely need to book a reading with you. Just so eye opening. Oh my gosh. I love you so much. I'm like, my heart's exploding over here, but thank you for all of that. I receive and appreciate all of that so much. I am just obsessed with you as well. So can't wait to have you on my podcast very soon as well. Um, just, I just love you and I'm your biggest cheerleader. So thank you so, so much for having me on. This was a blast. Thank you, Caitlin.